Joining me now is Matthew Shapiro, Senior Director of NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, New York State. Welcome back to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure always to have you. And this is the last episode before we take the end of year break for Hudson Mohawk Magazine. It's the perfect time to look back on 2022. For NAMI, what have been some of the significant moments, whether it be highlights or some struggles that have defined this year? Sure. Well, you know, people are still really struggling, of course, with their mental health as as we come out of the pandemic and, and a lot of the other tragic events that happened in the last couple of years. You know, people's mental health as, as a whole is still compromised. So we really have to be very in tune to that. But we have seen um, really a lot of progress this year, a lot that we're excited about. There are a lot of positive investments in, in mental health, trying to expand uh, access to mental health services. And, and the thing that we're really most excited about is the implementation of the 988 mental health crisis line, which is really, in our opinion, the biggest game changer and really when it comes to access to mental health services, because this gives everyone an easily accessible uh, lifeline. And again, you know, people think it's a, it's a suicide lifeline. It, it's not anyone who's having any sort of mental health crisis is just struggling, is worried about a friend or a loved one who's struggling. You can call 988 and you'll get connected to somebody right in your community with local services and, and local resources available. And it's much different than calling 911. It's not a police response. It's not a uh, any sort of criminal justice type of response. The thing that we're really excited about is that it provides a mental health response to a mental health crisis. So that's really one of the things that we're most excited about. It's really, uh, it's been up and running since July. It's had a lot of success here in New York State. Um, New York has really done an incredible job of implementing the program. So we do want to make sure that people know that it's out there. Again, all you have to do is three easy digits to remember, 988. And it's an immediate bridge to, as we call it, it's more than a number. It's a bridge to help, hope, and healing. There have been many cases of police being called to a scene of somebody who is having a mental health crisis and in many cases resulting in someone's life being taken. Have the numbers reflected how important this extra hotline is? Yes. So I'm so glad you asked that. So again, the main difference when you call 988 as opposed to 911, you know, when you call 911, you get a, a operator or a dispatcher whose job is to dispatch someone to respond. And as, as you said, most of the time, uh, there has been law enforcement and police, and that has led to tragic results. We know the sad story upstate in uh, Daniel Prude and uh, in, in Rochester losing his wife uh, at the hands of police when he was having a mental health episode. There's a lot of tragic examples in New York City uh, of cops uh, leading to the death of someone with a mental illness. So the, the, the benefit of calling 988 is that you don't get a dispatcher. You get a, a therapist, somebody who's trained, either a, a, a therapist, a nurse practitioner, or a trained peer, whose job is to diffuse the situation over, uh, over the phone so you don't have to respond in person. And if a response is needed, that we tried to make sure it's a mental health team and not a police response. So far, we just had the statistics that less than 2% of 
988 calls have resulted in police involvement. So that's something we're very excited about. Could you relate the effectiveness of the 988 hotline to what's happening in New York City with Mayor Adams' plan to address homelessness? Sure. So we, we have a lot of concerns with Mayor Adams' plan to, as you said, address homelessness. What What he's really doing is he's taking a program that's called assisted outpatient treatment, which is designed out here to keep people out of the hospital. It's for people who have had serious mental illness, have been hospitalized several times uh, in, in an 18-month period. And once they're out of the hospital, they can have a court-appointed treatment uh, placed on them, which is designed to keep them out of the hospital. Again, assisted outpatient treatment is what the program is called. So that does have that element of involuntary treatment to it because the court you know, mandates that you need to have it. What, what the mayor is doing is taking that kind of notion of, of involuntary treatment and really taking it to a, an extreme. Um, and there's a lot of concerns about that. And again, this is a program that's designed to keep people out of the hospital. And he's using it, as he said, to round up homeless people and hospitalize them and hospitalize them indefinitely. You know, normally if someone, um, you know, if I was to bring a loved one to the hospital against their will, there's a 72-hour hold that they can hold them for for evaluation. This would throw that out the window. And, and someone, you know, a homeless person who's picked up off the street of New York City and brought into a hospital, you know, they could be held there indefinitely. So that that's one of the problems. And of course, we know there are many routes to homelessness, not just mental illness. So to assume that everyone who's homeless has a mental illness, well, that's not 100% true. So that, that's a problem there too. The two biggest problems though, and, and you kind of hit the nail right on the head in, in asking the question is that we're using police as the conduits to recovery. And that's, you know, very problematic, especially in New York City. You know, we have, uh, we work with police all throughout the state with a program called Crisis Intervention Team Training, which is, um, you know, done uh, for police uh, and first responders. It's a 40-hour training. It's very uh, regimented, which really teaches them how to communicate to someone who's living with a mental illness and in a crisis situation and how to, de- how to uh, you know, de-escalate these situations in a peaceful manner. You know, police who have been through that program have had very successful interactions with people in a mental health crisis. The problem is the police officers in New York City haven't received that training. There is a, they do a training in New York City that's not CIT training, it's not 40 hours, and most of the police haven't even had access to that training. So it's very problematic and, and really concerning that you're going to have police being the first ones to kind of interact with homeless people to try to get them to, to embrace mental health recovery doesn't really make much sense. There are um, mental health teams that they've uh, expanded in New York City. Uh, they're called the SOS teams. They uh, have a mental health component to it. They have a, a social worker, a peer specialist. Those, I mean, if you're going to really try to, uh, you know, engage someone in treatment, it really, you want someone who, who knows what they're talking about is coming from a mental health space. The other problem is it's just not the capacity. You know, if you're going to hospitalize all of the homeless people, there are not enough hospital beds, and that's not what hospital beds are designed for. You know, uh, hospital beds are, are part of a continuum of care, 
But we know recovery is always going to happen best when it's done in the community, in a community setting. You know, hospitals are for most serious cases for to get people back to, you know, regulate it and then get them to recover in the community. You know, hospital aren't hospital beds aren't long-term answers, especially for homelessness. And if really we want to engage people in recovery, we have to meet them where they're at. I mean, programs like here here in Rensselaer County and Troy, like uh Joseph's house or doing you know fantastic work with homeless people meeting them where they're at you know doing them within the shelters having social workers having therapists meet them there not pulling them off the street and putting them into the hospital and thinking that will generate their recovery so we are have a lot of concerns with that so thank you for bringing it up and very concerned about possibly bringing that statewide as well there's so much more to this plan that I hope that we can bring you back in the new year to go a little bit deeper into it. But we are running out of time. And so looking forward, what are some upcoming legislative plans? Certainly. So we really want to open up access to care as a whole, make it easier for people to access hospital beds when they're needed, community services when they're needed, and and therapies such as your medications for people who that's right for their recovery. So we have a whole package of bills and and budget uh, asks that will help expand access to those three key elements that are so necessary to drive recovery. So again, you increase access to recovery programs like AOT aren't needed. So very uh, much looking forward to discussing those with you in more detail in the new year. Well, thank you so much, Matthew Shapiro, Senior Director at NAMI. Any last words to leave our listeners with? No, just again, this time of year, obviously, can be very stressful. Just hoping everyone maintains their mental health. Be mindful. And again, if you are struggling for any reason, NAMI is out there available for free. And you can use 988, which is a great resource as well. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you.